Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm Jared Brummett, audio engineer and editor, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. In this episode, we're diving into the next installment of our study in Philippians. This is the first of a two-part episode titled, Whatever Happens, Stand Firm. Rob delivered this message at Sunny Lane Family Church in Dale City, Oklahoma. Now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. In my book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, I tell the story of a church in Scrooby, England, in the central part of the nation, which in the 1600s faced incredible persecution. The king was James I, King James I, who the King James Version was named for, but he was a vile man, and he persecuted the separatists and the Puritans who were the evangelical Christians of that day, and he persecuted them so relentlessly that many of them had to leave England. And up in this town of Scrooby, there was a church of about a hundred people met in a home. And it was so difficult because of the government and the pressure and the soldiers and the imprisonment and the threatened torture that the entire church decided to relocate and to move. And they did so. They went over to Holland, and there they tried to reconstitute their church in an area where they had more freedom. But there were problems there as well, and the bulk of them decided, and this was a supremely brave thing, but they decided to go where almost no one had ever been before, and they got on ships, and they sailed to the New World and landed at Cape Cod in 1620, and we called them the Puritans, the pilgrims. And they were coming here looking for religious liberty. Well, the very same thing is happening right now in very parts of the world. On February the 1st of 2018, President Xi Jinping cracked down on the Christians in China. And the oppression that is taking place there right now is unbelievable. They have hundreds of millions of facial recognition cameras everywhere. And they track every single citizen's movement with incredible surveillance software, and especially Christians, because the church was growing so quickly in China. And you can't walk down the street without them knowing exactly where you are. And they use your telephones to surveil you. And the government knows wherever you are because of your cell phone. And they know what you are watching. They know who are you, you are listening to. It's very hard for the underground church to meet secretly now because you can't slip around. They know by electronic surveillance where you are. And Christians are being taken in and persecuted 
in a way that is truly frightening. I mean, there has never been a time in which privacy has been so devastated and is non-existent, and there is nothing you can do to get away from the searching eye of this oppressive government. And China is exporting that technology to other countries. It's in Vietnam now and many other places. And so, in China recently, and I read this in a magazine by Voice of the Martyrs, there was a church, and the name of the pastor there was Pastor Pan Yangun. And it became so difficult for them, they decided, like the pilgrims of 500 years ago, they decided that they would emigrate. And the entire church, they had a very contentious business meeting. Do we stay in China or do we leave? And the majority voted to leave. And so they took their families, packed their belongings, and they moved to an island in the South Korean area. But there, they've run into more problems because the Koreans are so intimidated by the Chinese, they'll not grant these people religious asylum, and these Christians don't speak Korean, and instead of the professional high-paying jobs they had in China, now they are doing manual labor. They're all discouraged, and Pastor Yangun said recently, if I had it to do over again, I don't know if we would have left China or not. Now, this is what's going on all over the world. There is a concerted effort to exterminate Christianity, and it is coming even to America. So, what do we do in days like this? Well, I want to suggest that we read Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, which is the key text to the book of Philippians. So, this is my passage here. Paul is speaking to people who were facing persecution, and he was writing this at a time when he himself was imprisoned. And this paragraph is the key paragraph of the book of the Philippians. So, if you look at Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open to Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2 are the salutation, and then in verses 3 through 11, Paul gives a prayer and a word of thanksgiving for the Philippians, and in verses 12 through 26, he tells them about his own situation. But the real body or the corpus of the letter begins in verse 27, and verse 27 is the key verse for the entire letter to the Philippians. When I study a book in the Bible, I look for the key verse that really is the whole book in summary. Well, here that would be chapter 1, verse 27. So, let me read for you beginning with 127 through to the end of the paragraph. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without in any way being intimidated by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. 
Spirit has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Now, I want to take apart that paragraph for you. It is a masterful paragraph. In Paul's original writing, which he did in Greek, it is all one sentence. And commentators say that it's a rather difficult sentence. It's sort of convoluted. Paul is just expressing emotionally what he feels here. But there are two things that the church had that were difficulties for them. And one was the opposition. So he talks about, I don't want you to be intimidated or frightened by those who oppose you. Now, you may remember that Philippians was started in the book of Acts chapter 16 when Paul went into that city and he was seized and he and Silas were stripped and they were beaten with rods, severely flogged, it says, and thrown into prison. And that's the way the church began. And now there was increasing persecution against these Philippians believers. Now, the city of Philippi was a huge city, a vast Roman city. And the Christians would have been a small minority in that city, but they were being oppressed and persecuted, so they were having to face that. But the other difficulty they had was they did not know how things would turn out for them. We see that in the first two words of this paragraph. Whatever happens, whatever happens, we have a, a life, all of us, in which those two words are right over our names on the calendar every day. Whatever happens, we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. We don't know what's going to happen with our health. We don't know what's going to happen with our family. We don't know what's going to happen with our finances. We don't know what's going to happen with our government. We don't know when Putin might punch the button. We don't know when there'll be a nuclear war. We don't know when another pandemic will break out. We don't know a lot of things, but whatever happens, there are some things that we are to do. Now, Paul is saying this coming out of verse 26. In the previous paragraph, he is explaining that he is on trial in Rome. And these are charges that have been brought against him five years ago in Jerusalem. And he had been held in Jerusalem, moved to Caesarea for two years, had been transferred by ship, and the ship along the way crashed and sunk. And Paul survived it. But he ended up in Rome where he was under house arrest for another two years. And now his trial was finally coming up before Emperor Nero, and he expected to be released. He thought he was going to be released, and retrospectively, looking back at it historically, we believe that he was released and had another period of time. But he wasn't sure that he was going to be released. So he said, if I live, then it's for Christ if I die, it's for gain. And in the Greek, this Philippians 121, we say to live as Christ and to die is gain. This is, I'm not a Greek expert, but I dug this out of the commentaries. The word Christ in the Greek is Christos, and the word gain 
is Kerdos. And the original listeners to this would have heard it like this. To live, Christos. To die, Kerdos. And Paul didn't know which of those would occur. Would he be released and be allowed to live? He said, if so, it means fruitful labor for me. But if I die, it is gain. He said, it is far better. Whatever happens, here's what I want you to do. He didn't know if he was going to survive his trial or if he would be executed. He just didn't know, but he said, whatever happens. And we're in the same way. We're facing, even here in America, increased oppression from the secular forces and the government in many cases. But also, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with the elections in November. We don't know what's going to happen with various issues before the Supreme Court. We don't know what's going to happen locally with laws that may be passed. We just, there is a lot we don't know. So these are the two things we're up against, opposition and uncertainty. But we have one responsibility, and that is to conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ, whatever happens. Now that's verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm going back to the Greek. I usually don't say a lot about the original Greek language in sermons, but this, you can't avoid it with this particular paragraph. The words here, the phrase, conduct yourself in a manner, is the Greek word, the root word is polis, from which we get policy and politics and political, and it literally means to be a citizen of. So Paul is using here the concept of citizen, and he is saying, whatever happens, conduct yourselves as citizens of heaven, worthy of being an example to those on earth. Now, he says in chapter 3 and verse 20, two times in this letter, he brings up the subject of citizenship. He says, you are citizens of heaven from which we await a Savior who will transform our, transform our bodies at the resurrection. So, in 127 and in 320, both of those two examples, Paul talks about the citizenship that we have in heaven. Now, the reason that this was important is because Philippi was a Roman citizen city. What had happened is about a generation before Jesus Christ, the Roman Republic had broken up. Uh, Caesar, uh, Julius Caesar had been assassinated by Brutus, and, and the Roman Empire had fallen apart, and there were a series of battles to gain control. And the biggest battles were fought just to the west of Philippi. And finally, Octavian became the victor, and he became the first Roman emperor. And because Philippi had been the place where he had won the victories and they had been supportive of him, he granted full citizenship to everyone in this great Roman city of Philippi in northeastern Greece. Now, in those days, not everybody who lived in the Roman Empire was a citizen of Rome. In fact, very few people were. And so the Philippians 
had extra privileges. They, had, they, they were very proud of the fact that they were all citizens, official citizens of Rome, and Paul knew this. And so he was saying to these Christians there, maybe you are citizens of Rome. I'm glad that you are living in a citizenship city, but remember that your first and primary citizenship is in heaven. And Vance Havner, the old evangelist from North Carolina, used to say that we are not citizens of earth going to heaven. We are citizens of heaven traveling through this earth. We have dual citizenship, and our primary citizenship is in heaven. Our secondary citizenship is on earth. And what Paul is saying here is that you have got to live as citizens of heaven in a way that befits the gospel while you are going through the uncertainties and the oppression that you might find on this earth. Whatever happens, whatever happens in your life, whatever happens today or tomorrow, whatever happens to you personally or in terms of the government or in terms of world events, whatever happens, live as citizens of Jesus Christ as you are going through this life, whatever happens. Now, the Christian Standard Bible actually translates this verse by saying, as citizens of heaven, live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. So now we have to ask, what does that mean? And how do we do it? If in this world we are facing opposition and uncertainty, and if we are to live as citizens of heaven who are traveling through this world, what does that mean? And there are three wonderful words here that I want you to notice and maybe to circle. So in verse number 27, let me read it again. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm. Now circle that phrase, stand firm firm in the one spirit, striving together. Now circle that phrase, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those to oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved in that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So, circle that word, suffer. Look at the way that Paul says this. What does it mean to live as a citizen of heaven? It means that you are standing firm, that you are striving together, and that you are suffering. Standing, striving, and suffering. So, let's look at those three. This is what really Paul wants. And so here is my theory about the book of Philippians. I think that the actual body of the letter begins with verse 27 and goes to chapter 4 and verse 1. And then the remainder of chapter 4 are just final greetings. So this is, let me show you. Look at verse 27 again. 
whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm. And then he tells them how to do that in chapters 2 and 3, and look at chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And the rest of the book then, the final chapter, is personal. So, the book really begins, the body of the book begins in chapter 1, verse 27, saying, stand firm, and it goes to chapter 4, verse 1, this is how you stand firm. So, the entirety of Philippians The great message is that even in uncertainty and even with opposition, whatever it is going on in life, we've got to live as citizens of heaven, and that means standing firm. Well, thanks for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media. Audio editing is done by Jared Brummett. Print editing and blog posting by Sherry Anderson and Luke Tyler. And music by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. Thank you for listening, everyone. And may God be with you until we meet again.